0: hi welcome to the romance me podcast this is erica and i'm M. and we'd like to say a special hello
1: to our number one and only fan yay breakfast yay murder <laughs> <laughs> not get
0: <it>. that's appropriate <laughs> it is
1: gosh yes it is and completely unrelated which is weird
0: <laughs> today we'll be discussing mr perfect by linda howard On their regular girls' night out, Jane and her friends create a list for what would make a man Mr. Perfect. Although it was meant to be a private bit of fun, the list gets shared around at work, and then it spreads to the news. While many think the list is funny, some people are offended, maybe even offended enough to kill. When one of her friends is brutally murdered, Jane turns to her next-door neighbor, Police Detective Sam, for help. Sparks fly as they work together to figure out who the killer is and how to stop them content warning for child abuse there will be spoilers beyond this point so
1: erica tell me a little bit about warren michigan
0: (laughs) warren michigan
1: what's the setting
0: i don't know i don't know anything about warren michigan (laughs) (laughs) ask something different please i don't like that one okay well erica how does the story start So at the beginning of the story, we have a prologue that's set in Denver, Colorado in 1975. Not Warren, Michigan. No. The rest of the story (laughs) is set in Warren, Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) it's at a school. I guess like the principal of the school is having a conference with the mother of a child who apparently killed the class hamster. Mm -hmm. And the mother is very... Defensive? Yeah, defensive... She's just very much like my child is perfect, my perfect little man would never do these things, but they the principal suggests that you know maybe little Corin, the woman's child needs therapy and the mom's like, "No, I'm never bringing my son back to your school ever again." And she leaves.
1: And the principal's kind of like, yeah, that's probably for the best.
0: Yeah. He's like, oh, thank goodness. But at the same time, I think he also is concerned about Corin.
1: Yeah, it's tricky.
0: And then as the mom is driving away, she gets out of sight of the school. And then she pulls over and she smacks the kid upside the head so hard that uh, Corin's head bounces off the window. And she says, you'll be perfect if I have to beat it into you. Do you hear me? My child will be perfect. And so that kind of sets the stage. We know a little bit about the killer there. And so then we fast forward to the year 2000. The year 2000-ish. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and the story set in Warren, Michigan. And our main character is Jane Bright. And Jane has just embarked on a wonderful rite of adulthood because she has purchased her first house. Woohoo! She's very happy about it. However, her neighbor next door is an asshole. Yes. And so <laughs> she suspects he's a drunk because he doesn't keep regular hours. He drives a junkie car without a muffler. He's constantly like slamming the door. He always looks unkempt. He always looks tired. His eyes are red. She's had ba- basically one interaction with the guy so far because she asked him to be quiet. And he was just like... No,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they. She also had interaction with him about Boo Boo, her mother's cat, that she's sitting.
0: Oh yes, that's right. She's she's a pet sitting and car sitting for her parents. Her parents are away on a vacation, um, out of the country. Yeah, I think to Europe. And or something. so she's pet sitting for for Boo Boo the cat, and then her dad's fancy rare car, which we don't learn a whole lot about. I guess it's a cobra. Like an original Cobra?
1: Yeah, I think if you know cars, then you can fill this in. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, like,
0: a car person. Sorry, listeners. But <laughs> she wakes up. She's running late for work. And on her way out the door, um, or on her way out of the driveway in her car, she knocks over her trash can, which bumps into her neighbor's trash can. And spills everything everywhere. So she's fixing it all and getting it all set up. And it's making all this noise. She doesn't really feel that bad about it making noise. Because the neighbor doesn't care about when she's asleep. But all the noise she's making uh, banging around the metal trash bins wakes him up. And he comes out and he's like, what the hell are you doing? And she's like, I'm fixing your trash can. <laughs> They get into like a little heated argument. You know, he's like, you're so noisy. And she's like, oh, excuse me. (laughs) You're the noisy one. And why don't you fix your muffler? And why don't you keep regular hours? And why don't you care about your noise level? She even threatens him. She's worried about her cat because the conversation she had with him earlier about the cat being on his car. So I think she's a little worried about it. She threatens him and she says, if you do anything to hurt my mom's cat, I'll take you apart cell by cell. I'll mutilate your DNA so it can never reproduce, which will probably be a good thing for the world. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's like, I got to go. I'm late. I better leave before I hurt you. And he says, that's a good idea. I'd hate to have to arrest you. And she says, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a cop. And then he walks off. And so she's like, well, shit. <laughs> Oopsie. So when she gets to work, we learn a little bit about her work. She works at this place called Hammerstead Technology. And it's a, I guess, like a, a technology company. It sells computer technology to the General Motors plants in the Detroit area. Um, but because it's a technology company, uh, it's a male-dominated workplace. I don't know. It's kind of like a toxic work culture at times, it sounds like, with boys doing what boys do. Yeah, because I
1: think when this book was written, there was more of a societal tolerance for that.
0: I think so. This book was first published in the year 2000. The year 2000. And
1: I think, too, like like when we first meet Sam, well, we don't... Do we know his name is Sam yet? I don't know. The drunk neighbor. I wasn't fully convinced that he was her love interest. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm like, oh, he's like this angry drunk dude. <laughs> and I pictured seriously like this old man. Because she doesn't like go in to really specify like any body features or anything. So I was just like, okay, so it's like a grumpy old drunk
0: Just that man. he's big.
1: Oh, well, I guess I missed it or didn't care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I kind of figured that was who it was because he got introduced at the very beginning and they had that verbal sparring at the very beginning i wasn't but i was kind of wondering in the back of my head like how is the author going to make him likable
1: and she really doesn't fyi because right now he's
0: not at all (laughs) his likability
1: doesn't really become an issue
0: (laughs) you don't think she does (laughs) i don't know i kind of liked him like there were parts where i liked him okay (laughs) i'm easy
1: (laughs) i'm not telling your secrets
0: But even though she works in like this male-dominated workplace, she has three BFFs that she works with, Marcy, TJ, and Luna. And every Friday, they go and have like a little girl's night at a place called Ernie's where they have drinks and dinner and they chat about work and life and whatever. That night, when they have their girl's night, um, they start talking about men And Marcy talks about how one of the men at work, like, put his hands on her ass.
1: Yeah, she was really surprised because he didn't seem like the kind of guy that would or might be too terrified to do it. And yet, hand on ass.
0: Yeah. And, I don't know. (laughs) She says... All I did was walk past him in the hallway. The next thing I know, he grabs me with both hands and just stands there holding my ass like it's a basketball and he's about to start dribbling. And then they giggle. And then Jane asks what she did. And Marcy says she didn't do anything because someone else was watching. And so she just kind of, oh, she sees the person watching and then she feels bad for the guy who grabbed her ass. And she says something like, I didn't know you cared. And then he runs off. And then the guy who was watching says, if if I knew you were that hard up, I would have offered my services. Which is just, ew. And they're just rolling their eyes and like, yep, yeah, boys will be boys.
1: Yeah. It's gross. It's gross for multiple reasons.
0: Yeah. And I've experienced, you know, sexism in the workplace before. But I don't think I've ever experienced some guy just groping my ass. Like a guy that I work with coming up and just whoop. On my butt, you know? <laughs> Yay. First off. That just sounds terrible. And they just laugh it off.
1: Yeah, it's it's never it's never nice to be going about your business and then suddenly realize that there's one more hand on your ass than you want there to be. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and I mean there's places where, where you get groped and it's not acceptable, but it's more like expected, I guess, sadly. But at work isn't really one of them. Yeah, it really shouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it shouldn't be anywhere, but at work seems especially egregious. Yes. But at any rate, you get the impression that Marcy is one of those chicks that just, she doesn't give a shit. She's been divorced uh, three times, I think, and she's got a live-in boyfriend who's younger than her. She just kind of does her own thing. She goes her own way. Maybe that's just her character. It was just to show how how much she didn't give a shit. And that's the reason this little snippet was in there. I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's it sets up a lot of things. It, sh- it illustrates Marcy's character as well as the work environment. You know, it's, it illustrates a lot of things. Like I kind of was thinking the timid ass grabber was trying to show off or something. Like it must have been a dare.
0: Oh, it had to have been right. That makes so much sense. Like, why else would someone just go whoop on your ass like that?
1: No, but why would that guy? It's not that why would... (laughs) (laughs) At work, some dude just comes up behind you and he's like... No, because it's not even that. (laughs) Because there can be motivations that are different for why someone at work might grab your ass unwantedly. But it's such a dramatic way
0: that he's grabbing her ass. They say, like, he's going to dribble it like a basketball. Yeah.
1: A, that's not what that's for, and B, why would this, like, shy, like I said, timid guy go and do this? I don't think it's for the other guy's benefit, necessarily, but no, I think he was dared to do it, which
0: is just... (laughs) I love how you read so much into these stories, because that makes so much sense, and my brain didn't even go there. I was just like, oh, wow, this workplace is terrible. Throughout
1: the story, they refer to, like, I forget, like, which which group of workers i think the computer they work in computers but i forget exactly what they do i don't know if it's coding i don't i don't remember
0: yeah, they just call them the nerds
1: the nerds okay so i this is what i was thinking i don't know if this is accurate is like he's one of the nerds and because that you know nerd culture upstairs whoever these guys are they operate under playground rules it makes sense <laughs> These nerd guys are the same ones that put, like, funny posters up in the elevator. Yeah, where they put something funny, which some of them were. I actually got a bit of a chuckle. But that's the sort of thing I thought was the reason. Because I was like, why? Why?
0: (laughs) Why? Well, that's the other thing. Because I've I've worked with guys in a a technology-type job before. And they can be nerdy. And they can have uh, interesting social skills. But I've never felt like... Objectified in that way, you know. So it it was definitely, I don't know if it was a sign of the times or if it was just the author.
1: I don't know. Maybe the author was talking about a sign of the times, but who knows?
0: Yeah. We also during the course of this conversation we learn a little bit more background about the other friends. So we talked a lot about Marcy, but there's also Luna, who's the youngest at 24, and she is just gorgeous. She is dating a guy who is in the NFL named Shamal, and Shamal just kind of keeps her, like, as a booty call, and it's hurting her because she has feelings for him. The other friend, TJ, is the only married one, and she's 30, she married her high school sweetheart, and she's having uh, marital issues with her husband, Galen.
1: Yeah, I must have met, like, with the audiobook version... The, the voice for TJ and the voice for Jane were very similar. And I don't know if that was also to illustrate how similar those characters were.
0: Because sometimes I had a hard time telling them apart. I kind of felt like TJ was Jane's opposite. Because Jane is also 30, but Jane has like the opposite life to TJ. She's had three engagements that failed. One of them was a cheater. And she's just been focusing on her career for the past seven years and so she's got everything going for her but she's she's your stereotypical high-powered career woman she's not uh working on her love life at all whereas tj she wants to start having kids and she's married to her husband and she's just kind of you know like she she went the domestic route
1: I don't know, maybe maybe this is incorrect, but I sort of feel like they're all sort of career-wise at the same place, though.
0: They are, but they work in different departments. Yeah, but
1: I, I don't know, like, I guess if I was thinking of it as, like, a hierarchy, I sort of think of them all as the same level.
0: Yeah, I don't know if there is, like, a if they talk about them having a work hierarchy, but I know that TJ and Luna both work in HR. Right. And Marcy, I'm not sure what department she works in. And then um, Jane does something else
1: yeah i was kind of wondering if it was accounting or i couldn't remember
0: oh it was payroll payroll that's what she does yeah but at any rate they're discussing men and and luna is bemoaning uh shamal's lack of interest and i think alcohol
1: played a factor (laughs) as it does with so many really good decisions
0: they're all drinking and they just kind of decide you either need to settle or be single (laughs) and marcy says if you're looking for Mr. Perfect, you're going to spend your whole life being disappointed because he doesn't exist. You have to get the best deal you can, but there will always be problems.
1: <laughs> just, just so sad.
0: And then they all start laughing, and then it is sad.
1: <laughs> At that point, I was like, oh, that's not a rigging endorsement for a relationship.
0: No, it's just like, well, you should <laughs> settle. Just find a decent guy, like <laughs> one that's okay, and just settle for him. <sighs> <laughs> if you want a man <laughs> but then marcy's like we should make a list and she pulls out a notepad and they start coming up with what would a perfect man be like and so some of the things on the list are faithfulness being nice dependable steady job, sense of humor good things financially comfortable good looking great in bed and then they start going off on the great in bed thing I think because the alcohols kicked in at that point. Yeah, I think
1: once it starts to get into the good looking, then it's just sort of cascading towards Yeah, bed.
0: and they start going, you know, a 10 inch dick and last at least 30 minutes worth of thrusting during sex and just very <laughs> detailed <laughs> And so at the end of the night, they all go home and Jane wakes up to her mom's cat yelling in her ear because he's hungry. Because boo-boo has needs. And she has some errands to run. She goes to buy a trash can that matches what her neighbor's trash can was because it got dented. So she's replacing it.
1: Yeah. Back in the day when trash cans were metal.
0: And you had to buy your own. I mean, I guess we bought our own, but we bought it from the city. We didn't, like, have to go to the store.
1: Yeah, I don't even remember. (laughs) That is information I don't have readily available in my brain.
0: But when um, she gets back, she starts talking to her neighbor, Mrs. Kulovich, about her other neighbor, the cop who she thought was a drunk, she's like, well, maybe he was lying to me. I'm gonna see what Mrs. Kulovich says about him. But Mrs. Kulovich says, you know, oh, he moved into that house after his grandmother passed away. That's where she used to live. And I feel so much safer having a policeman nearby, don't you? Jane's like, oh, well, I guess he didn't lie to me. (laughs) I can't hate him for that. (laughs)
1: Darn
0: it. And the that point it's pretty late in the morning and she's gonna go mow her lawn and this is another for her like a rite of passage into adulthood my first house my first lawn she's looking forward to it she bought a red lawn mower. she likes all things that are red and mechanical
1: mm-hmm. that seems factual
0: she starts mowing the lawn and then her neighbor shows up and he's like Can you not mow your lawn right now because I'm trying to sleep? Which
1: I feel his plight,
0: dude. (laughs)
1: There's nothing worse than trying to sleep during the day and somebody's out there doing something really loud.
0: (laughs) She says, oh, it's 10 o'clock. I'm not doing anything wrong.
1: Everybody else in the neighborhood is doing this yeah
0: yeah you should just go to bed a decent hour and he says i can't my job has a regular hours right now so she's like fine i'll just go inside and sit for the next 11 hours (laughs) see it was at this point where i was (laughs) like
1: oh yeah i guess he is the love interest i relented I accepted it.
0: Yeah, sadly.
1: (laughs) Unwilling, but I accepted.
0: But when she gets inside, she does start to feel like, well, maybe I overreacted a little bit. I need to readjust how I'm thinking about this guy because she has more information than she did originally. Like, originally she thought he was a drunk and just an inconsiderate asshole. And now she's learning there are reasons for him looking, you know, red-eyed and, you know, rumpled and have your regular hours and stuff
1: yeah her evidence for him being a drunk wasn't all that compelling like once i really heard what it was i think that was the point in the story i was like really that's what you based it on not even a smell of alcohol okay
0: well she didn't get super close to him very often
1: well still i don't know maybe you see a disheveled person who looks grumpy and i don't necessarily go alcoholic
0: the next uh, workday, we meet Jane's co-worker, Leah, who works in HR and she's, she's described weirdly, like she wears like very feminine type of clothes, but she never really seems quite put together. Yeah. And she's also kind of prim and proper. She, you know, she doesn't want to make any raunchy jokes or anything like that. Uh, Leah and Jane have a talk about the latest sign that the nerds have put up. That says, effective immediately, all employees will be required to take a combination of Ginkgo and Viagra so you can remember (laughs) what the fuck you're doing. And this just, like, really upsets Leah and Jane is just, well, maybe you shouldn't let these things bother you. You know, it's actually funny.
1: I thought it was funny. That's not a (laughs) barometer for anything.
0: And then later that day, uh, the unofficial company newsletter is getting circulated apparently some of the people that work there put out like a gossipy newsletter once in a while and the headline says do you measure up what women really want and then it says forget about it guys most of us are non-starters for years we've been told it's not what we've got it's how we use it but now we know the truth our expert panel of four women friends who work here at hammerstead have come up with a list of their requirements for the perfect man, and Jane just... dies. Yeah, she <laughs> dies.
1: Stick a flower on her head, she's dead.
0: Because, of course, the the focus is on, like, all the raunchy parts of the list, you know, not the...
1: Of course.
0: Not the respectable normal parts of the list where you're like, oh, yeah, well, of course you want someone dependable.
1: Please be dependable. Please be kind. Yeah. Nope. Have a ten-inch day. <laughs>
0: it's important to say maybe that that was marcy's requirement (laughs) that he have a 10 inch yeah i think she originally goes with 12 but then and jane said eight inches is more than sufficient and
1: then she's like no those two inches are just leftovers i think she said yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) but as it's going around the office like all the women that work there think it's hilarious but all the guys that work there are really upset And they keep making the comparison like, well, you women wouldn't think it was so funny if it was a list about the perfect woman and it had like preferred boob size, which perhaps that's fair. I guess I, I really. Okay. So how did you think, like, what did you think about how the guys just in general in the story handled this list?
1: I think in some ways the reaction seemed, I don't want to say realistic, but like, I mean, clearly they were sensitive about
0: it. And I think that's... Yeah, they were all really defensive about it. Like, almost every single guy in this story who read the list was defensive about it.
1: In our culture, that makes
0: sense. Like... I don't know. I mean, I I brought the idea to my sample size of one, aka my husband, and I was like, how would you feel if I created a list with my friends about Mr. Perfect, and one of the requirements was a giant cock. And my husband's like, okay, (laughs) good for you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why he's awesome, man. (laughs) It makes sense to me that in the story, there's a whole bunch of defensive, sensitive reactions.
0: I guess. It just didn't to me. I really felt like, you know, does this just mean all these guys are just so surface level? I think for the story, they needed to be. And I think that's just one of the problems with the story is that everyone is surface level.
1: Yeah, I mean, none of the characters are particularly deep, so I'm not really surprised. And then
0: the four friends, they all meet together at lunch to discuss, you know, oh no, the list got out. Come to find out, Marcy told one of her coworkers about it and the coworker is the one who put it in the newsletter. But they're all anonymized, you know, and Marcy didn't specify who the other people were anyway.
1: But I mean, if you have a group of friends, they're bound to find it out. Well,
0: yeah. But then TJ is all super worried about her husband finding out about the list and I just started thinking to myself, Oh my goodness, this is terrible. Why why would your husband care? you need to find someone else who doesn't care
1: and maybe she should but she didn't at that point in the story so she has to work with what she's got because she settled or whatever the story is trying to tell us we should do i
0: don't know (laughs) and the thing is too is that i thought okay well maybe she's just like maybe she's just worried and it won't pan out but then later in the story she has a huge blowout argument with her husband over the damn list or at least that's how it starts
1: i must admit like the reaction i was most surprised at was Jane's brother. Oh, yeah. Like, that was the one where I was like, dude. But all the other ones, like, I suppose I chalked up the the reactions of the general male public or whatever as like, okay, well, this is serving the story she kind of needs them to have these sorts of reactions i don't know if i necessarily thought they were supposed to serve the plot or further the story or even necessarily be talking points i just felt like clearly they're getting sprinkled in for drama or whatever and i
0: didn't really think that much about them i think she was using it to set up the motivation for the killer right Yeah, that's that's sort of more or less
1: what I was thinking that was, so I didn't really like worry that the peripheral male characters were getting really upset whether or not I thought it was like overly realistic. But yeah, the brother the brother was weird. That was one that actually stood out to me as like, dude, chill. And that seemed a bit
0: (laughs) more well the sister overreacted too. Both of Jane's siblings were just I could
1: see the sister's point of view though. That seemed more realistic to me than the brothers.
0: So the sister being embarrassed by the list so much so that she can't hold her head up in church seemed more realistic than the brother being angered by the list?
1: Yeah. Huh. What about you? Did did you have that sort of... I don't know. Like, I don't see why the brother would care what a sister wants in bed and whatever claims she may say that she wants i don't know why he would care
0: i guess i didn't really think about it too much because i thought they both really really overreacted but now that we're talking about it i mean the sister's more concerned about like the social impact
1: the sister makes sense to me because like her social impact with a conservative church setting i could see where she got worried like oh and her kids
0: the daughter is the one who found the list on the internet and printed it out and <laughs> gave it to the sister. So I don't think the daughter thought it was embarrassing. No, I don't think she did either. <laughs> but
1: we also get more of Shelly during this, the course of the story, too. Like the brother, I think that's the only interaction we have from him is like him calling up and being all upset over the list. And how he's now a laughingstock at work because Bright is not all that uncommon of a last name and so they know it's like his sister yeah and apparently it shames him in some way and he got very upset at the thought like his wife might have either taken part in the list or might want what's in the list
0: yeah I guess that's the thing every guy in this book except for Sam is concerned about their dick size yeah that's my main takeaway yeah (laughs) (laughs) I would say that that's accurate (laughs) After they have this discussion and they decide, well, we'll just keep our heads down and thank goodness the list is anonymous, Janie gets home and she's just relaxing at home and she hears a car wreck outside and she runs outside and it turns out there was a drunk driver who hit Uh, one of her neighbors parked cars and she lives in the kind of neighborhood where everyone is up in everyone's business, I guess, because everyone comes out of their houses to see what's going on. The person, the woman who owns the car is like, Oh no, my car. And the guy who's the drunk guy who hit her car is like belligerent and, you know, acting like he's going to get physical with this woman. I think it was Mrs. Kulovich who says, go get Sam or I'll go get Sam or something like that. While this is all happening, jane starts a physical fight with the guy like she like rushes him knocks him to the ground and then they start fighting
1: yeah because she's worried about the woman getting hurt so she just automatically sort of leaps in aware of what she's doing and aware of what the consequences might be if i remember correctly like she's like well right this might not go so well for me but i don't want her to get hurt
0: yeah and then sam shows up and he separates them and handcuffs the guy and he's just like oh i should have known it was you to jane like
1: (laughs) yeah you should have
0: like of course you're the one fighting with the drunk guy outside
1: yeah he gives her a ridiculous amount of crap for it which was just irritating
0: yeah he does he gives her a lot of crap for it kind of like that stereotypical romance hero crap where it's like oh you put yourself in danger bad bad girl fuck off buddy I mean, that's basically what it is, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. She's an adult who can make her own choices. I don't think she necessarily, I'm not saying it's the choice I would have made, but I think if she felt like she should intervene, I don't see that there's a problem. He doesn't get a say.
0: (laughs) No. And at this point, this is kind of where Sam has inserted himself into her life because the next day she's bruised. She puts makeup on her face to cover up the bruise on her face. And she runs into him on her way out the door. And again, he's like, you bruised your face. Are you okay? I guess he's just worried about her. and Maybe we're supposed to interpret it like, oh, he likes her at this point because she's all feisty with him and he's into it or something. But we're not in his head. And there's not a lot of good clues. Well,
1: and there's his want of control because even when they're walking away from the scrape and the accident and everything, I think I remember him actually like making sure she couldn't walk away
0: from him. Yeah, he's holding onto her arm.
1: Yeah, and keeping her which technically you shouldn't do. If somebody wants to walk away, you can't stop them. Legally. Yeah. But anyway. And he's a cop. Yeah. So
0: he would know
1: he's actually preventing her from walking away so that way she keeps pace with him i don't like sam this is not surprising (laughs) (laughs) it's a sam aren't they supposed to be friends there's all these sam friends or whatever
0: (laughs) but at any rate (laughs) just me okay After she's at work and it's lunchtime, she goes in the lunchroom and ends up sitting with Leah, who has some very strong opinions about the list. And she says, just think of how it made those men feel. They must think they aren't good enough, that they're somehow inferior. Jane says, it was just supposed to be funny. And Leah's like, no, it was mean. I don't know. Again, for me, at this point in the story, I was just like... Oh, those poor guys wishing they had 10-inch dicks. Poor, poor men. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, know that, I know that men can be insecure about the size of their genitals, but at the same time, I think it's pretty well known that 10-inch is not, you know, the average size or even close to it. And it just seems bizarre that anyone would be upset about that. Like, it just seems so obviously like, well, yeah, of course, in a dream world, Mr. Perfect would have a 10-inch dick. Yeah. We all know that's not reality.
1: but doesn't mean that
0: fantasy can't hurt feelings. I have no sympathy for these guys or for Leah, who's upset about it.
1: It's like any sort of story where I know I've done this thus far, which is like, oh, she's reacting in such a horrible way because it fulfills some sort of fantasy either for the writer, the reader, whatever. It's the same sort of thing. I
0: guess. You know,
1: people's expectations or fantasies that they want can still end up being hurtful where it's like, oh, I don't measure up in this way, which, yeah, okay. so we're talking about penises now, but whatever the expectation is. To a certain extent, you can even say our heroine, Jane, doesn't measure up to the female ideal. Although she's trying to, like with the swearing, where she pays a quarter out to... Because swearing isn't considered feminine.
0: Jane has a lot of uh, stereotypical masculine traits. You know, she's very assertive. She loves cars. She swears. She has a potty mouth.
1: Yeah, I really liked Jane at the beginning.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me too. Where she didn't take crap from anybody. Okay, so after her altercation with Leah in the lunchroom, we learn that the story of the Mr. Perfect list is spreading, and now the local news wants a story. (laughs) So it's now spread to the local media.
1: Which I must admit seemed kind of slow, but of course that's what, when was this written? Like the 90s, late 90s maybe? Well, published in 2000, but written probably a couple years before.
0: Yeah, published in 2000.
1: So that sort of makes sense because it's before the insta culture has happened.
0: Yeah, at this point it would be like a series of tweets.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even know, honestly, if in our day and age or whatever, this sort of list would be all that shocking.
0: I don't think it'd be that funny or exciting either. Like, oh, yay, Mr. Perfect, whatever. Yeah, this this is definitely... There, there are several things in the
1: story, but this... Even this premise a little bit seems a little aged or dated.
0: To an extent, yeah. There's the raciness, you know, but it sounds very much like an old school, like, list that you'd read in Cosmo or something. Yeah. Okay, so then we get the scene where Jane's at home. She hasn't been sleeping well because she's worried about this list. She's worried about being published And publicized more widely. And she's in the kitchen. Rinsing out her coffee cup. And the light in the house across the door flicks on. And Sam is in the kitchen naked. In his house. And he's like at his refrigerator. And she is just super duper duper turned on. By how good he looks to her. And she's just staring at him. And it's really like creepy. I thought. (laughs) But then she she thinks to herself, okay, well, maybe I should tell him to close his curtains. But she doesn't have his phone number. And so she calls Mrs. Kulovich and asks for Sam's phone number because she has to tell him something. Or
1: Yeah, to close his curtains. Because she can't close her own.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she... She calls Sam and he answers the phone and she's like, hi, uh, I hate to tell you this, but you might want to close your curtains. And he turns around and they stare at each other through the (laughs) windows and he just grins at her. (laughs) And then he says, got an eyeful, did you? As he closes the curtains and she says, yes, I did. Thank you. It's, I think she, I think she means thank you for closing the curtains, but I think she also means thank you for the eye fall <laughs> based on how she reacted. Probably. And then he says, my pleasure. Maybe you can return the favor sometime. And then he hangs up and she's just so embarrassed, but she's also like, God, I need some sex. Basically, <laughs> like I've gone without for so long. <laughs> my body is revolting. <laughs> <laughs> And then she says to the cat, Am I so shallow? <laughs> and
1: Boo Boo doesn't say yes or no.
0: No, this is great. It says, She says, Am I so shallow? She asked Boo Boo and considered the idea for a moment, then nodded. You betcha, Boo Boo meowed, evidently in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so now we have the love interest part of the book really going full steam ahead because. Her relationship with Sam has just turned into, yes, she's absolutely attracted to him. And apparently he's attracted to her because he said he wouldn't mind if she was naked in her kitchen too. The list shows up on the news and then the women are talking at work. Marcy says that she's been getting all sorts of phone calls from news stations who want interviews. They decide that Marcy will go ahead and give them an interview and maybe that will make everyone leave them alone right because it goes from local to national they've all kind of been getting voice messages at this point like all sorts of calls because i think everyone at work kind of knew who the other ladies were who came up with the list because they're friends with marcy and so it just kind of like that news got out too and so they're all getting harassed about that
1: yay harassment (sighs) i know at some point i think it was Sometime around this point in the story, or maybe a little bit shortly after this, which may have been about chapter 13, I felt like the weirdo reader, like, wishing I could knock on a metaphorical door and be like, um, excuse me, I was promised a murder. (laughs) Because I'm like, can this story move a little faster? (laughs) Can we up the stakes and, like, increase the intensity or something? I'm just... Struggling.
0: Yeah, because we're about a third into the book at this time. And it just now has has started to get to be really big news, I suppose, Yeah,
1: which seems really slow, all things considered, because I'm just you can do that. But there has to be like this increase in tension. I think that's the problem is there's no no real sexual tension with the characters. I mean, very minor. But there isn't really the, the thriller, suspense, crime, whatever, tension to fill in the gaps either. So there's like this lack of
0: something. Well, here, I have some tension for Woohoo! you because... Bring it. <laughs> because Jane is super stressed out about all this. And so she decides she's going to relax by washing her car. And as she's washing her car, Sam shows up. And he's like super duper flirty with her. And he had found out that she's been paying a quarter every time she cusses. Like he surprises her and she curses at him. And then he's all, you owe me. And she's all, I have a new rule. You can't cause me to curse and then make me pay you. (laughs) But then, you know, she sprayed him with the hose She's all wet from washing her car, and he's like holding her down against the car. And she says, Let me go. And he says, No. And she says, You can't say no. It's against the law to hold me against my will. And he says, I'm not holding you against your will. I'm holding you against your car. (laughs) Which, I don't know. In my head, this is in the realm of fantasy. I was like, Okay, whatever. But in real life, that would be kind of terrifying.
1: Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to make the distinction in your mind between fantasy and reality.
0: But then he kisses her, and it's an amazing kiss, and they're super into it, and they start grinding and kissing against her car. And he says, Let's go inside. And she's like, No. And he says, I can't fuck you out here. We have to go inside. She immediately goes to, But I'm not on the pill. And she says, Stop, let me go. He's like, Well, why? And she says, I have a ripe egg. <laughs> oh but at any rate he stops and then he offers i can use a condom this is one of those things where i was thinking to myself okay is this because the book is dated or is there some other reason because it's like she doesn't expect him like it's not expected for him to use a condom it's like he wasn't expecting to use a condom yeah he decides okay well we won't have sex today
1: (laughs) how nice of you to decide
0: that buddy yeah that's great Their relationship starts to progress a bit. They bond over cars because he owns like, or he drives like a junkie Pontiac that's owned by the city. But his car is like a, is a fancy truck. And I think it's red too, which is of course Jane's kryptonite. And Jane shows him her dad's fancy car. They go out to eat. Yeah. I mean, the reporters show up
1: and Jane has to stay in the garage for like an hour, which seems a little extreme. And yeah, then they go out. Even the reporters thing didn't seem... And maybe that's because now, like, the reporters just seem so relentless. But, like, the reporters show up and Sam just goes out there and is like, Yeah, I'm a cop. Fuck off. And they do. Like, there's no, like, no, we'll just move across the street. Or... It just... It seemed... i I'm like, but... But threat. But... Tension. <laughs> okay,
0: bye. <laughs> Fine. And then we get a little... A little scene that's in tj's head where she's like thinking about her situation because she's worried about now that she's been outed as being one of the creators of the list what is she gonna do because jane just doesn't care marcy doesn't care luna you know she has issues with her sort of boyfriend but it's not a, that big a deal about the list but for her She's looking at her marriage, possibly ending over it. Her husband calls and he says, have you lost your mind? You've made me a laughing stock here at the plant. And TJ replies, if anyone is laughing, it's because you let him. I'm not going to talk about it on the phone. I'll wait up for you. She hangs up and then the phone rings again. And this is where the creepy phone calls start because the person on the other end of the line says, which one are you? And she says, "Who is this?" And the voice on the phone says, "Are you Ms. A, B? Which one are I you?" I don't
1: understand why she wasn't more creeped out. And I don't know if this of the times at that point, like late 90s, all the female characters in the story are just a little bit dense.
0: I kind of thought maybe she was just so pissed off from that conversation with her husband that she just wasn't putting up with any crap at that point. Like, maybe she just had, like, that adrenaline surge from, you know, the argument with her husband, and so it didn't hit her the way it would have otherwise.
1: Maybe. Like, maybe for this first time. I mean, you expect a little bit of blinders or naivete or whatever with any kind of crime story. Yeah. But I'm sorry. I was, like, wanting to yell at them. Like, come on. Can you not put this together? Can you not? Yeah. I mean, even after Marcy ends up dead, they... They don't go, hey, wait, there was that weirdo caller.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they don't. They don't even tell the cops or anything about the calls initially. I think it was stupidity. I don't think that that was a sign of the times. I think that women in the late 90s, early 2000s knew that creepy phone calls could equal creepy murder at some point. (laughs) Okay, at this point, the the women decide that they're going to do an interview, I, I think with Good Morning America. Yeah, they just keep getting like all these calls and the local interview that Marcy did didn't help. Jane gets called into her boss's office and he's like on her case about it. And Jane says, well, it could give the company free publicity. And so then the boss is like, oh, okay then. And so they kind of feel like, well, we'll do this you know, national news interview.
1: They do, but I don't know if anything necessarily comes of the interview. I mean, there's no increased, like, reporters. I think after then, Marcy does get killed. So maybe that's what comes of it. So I guess the stakes finally get raised, like, halfway through the book.
0: Yeah, I don't know. They do the interview, and it has kind of like a feminist bent to it. Although the, the person interviewing them is arguing the feminist point of view and portraying Jane and her friends as not feminist somehow, which I didn't get at all. I really disliked how the interview went because the reporter seemed to be looking for a way to make them look bad.
1: Do you feel that she
0: succeeded? No. I guess what is really getting to me is, okay, at one point in the interview... They Marcy makes a point to say that we listed our ideas of what would make the perfect man and any other group of four women would probably come up with different ideas and in a different order and everything. And the reporter says, you do know that feminist groups are outraged at the physical and sexual requirements on the list. When women have struggled so long not to be judged by their looks or bust size, they feel you have damaged their position by judging men according to their physical attributes. And Luna, I think, has the perfect response because she says, I thought part of the feminist movement was to give women the freedom to be honest about what they want. We listed what we want. We were honest. And then they start talking about that. And then the reporter says, you know, well, are any of you with someone? And then later at the end of the scene it says that she had plenty of material to edit down for the short piece that would actually be aired at one point she had abandoned her notes and passionately argued the feminist point of view and i just don't understand i guess she's calling them hypocritical because well feminists don't want to be objectified yet you were objectifying men i suppose I, i mean there is some of that going on but then luna at the same time Is also correct because she's like, well, we were just saying like, this is what we would like.
1: Well, both things can be true, can't they?
0: I just didn't like it. It was annoying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it highlights maybe some of the complexities of the issues that are brought up. You know, in saying what they wanted, it does bring up physical attributes. But is the fact that physical attributes are brought up a problem? Especially since those can be considered more superficial.
0: I guess for me, it seemed like it was a lot more about like, oh, men are butt hurt because four women said they wanted a huge dick. like that versus like being objectified. Yeah. No, I see that point. I think saying I think saying you want a huge dick is different from objectifying someone.
1: No, I agree with you.
0: But that is sort of the flavor of the story, though. And really saying saying that you prefer large breasts is also different from objectifying yeah, someone.
1: I think that that's brought up in the story, too, like repeatedly, where all the, the guys make comments and stuff, like after the list becomes public, because it is. It's the repeated butt hurtedness. Yeah.
0: And we get a really good example of objectification in the beginning where Marcy gets her ass groped. So it's clear the author knows what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just what it is. It's frustrating for me because I feel like like this book had potential to have a bit more of a feminist bent to it than it did. But then it seemed like it wanted to take on the theme or topic of feminism and then just didn't do a very good job at it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we don't know, like through the course of writing the story, like maybe, you know, Howard's publishers had notes like, oh, you can't do this or... Or not, we don't know. I mean, or maybe she is saying exactly what she is trying to
0: say and we just don't like it. If she is saying what she's trying to say, I just don't understand what she's trying to say then. Well. She's trying to say that objectification is having a preference and that groping people's asses is okay. (laughs) 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 I don't know.
1: I, I don't i don't know i i i can't speak to what howard may or may not have meant and if she got to say no what she intended to say or perhaps we're misinterpreting things that yeah. she had intended
0: we don't know that's true we don't know okay moving on we have some more stuff with um <laughs> jane and sam moving on he comes over because he's been out of town for a couple days And he comes over to quote, check in and they're sitting and talking and they start talking about, I don't know, just like life, but also like sex and whatnot. And it gets a little, like you get a little bit of sexual tension there. And then again, he's like, we should just, we should go to bed or whatever. And she's all, well, I'm on my period. And then he's like, so, well, you were lying about ovulating the other day or whatever. (laughs) After the whole period conversation and everything, we're back at work and Marcy's missing. Dun, dun,
1: dun. And there was a
0: scene earlier where Marcy got her head bashed in by Corin. And we get a clue that it's someone she knows because she let them in and acted like she recognized them. So Marcy is missing. Luna calls Jane while they're at work and says, have you heard from Marcy? She hasn't come into work yet and she hasn't answered her phone at home. And Jane's like, no, I haven't heard from her since Friday. Jane calls Sam, or she calls his work, and is like, can I talk to Sam? And so they give her his his pager number. <laughs> uh, Dated. anachronistic <laughs> pager number. Or at least it would be now. And she talks to Sam about it and says, could you see if there's anything you can do about it? If maybe there was a car wreck that she was in or anything like that. Because that's where Jane's thoughts went. Sam says, yes, I can get one of my friends to look into it who works in that division. Jane's like, okay, great. But then she thinks her boyfriend was upset over the list and he left her over it. Maybe something happened with that too. Sam's like, okay, well, I'll call the sheriff's department and let them know to do like a check at her house too. And it turns out that Marcy was murdered. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, Sam finds out and he's <laughs> he tells Jane. And this is one of the parts of the story that I actually really appreciated. I really liked Jane's reaction to it. She was really upset and it felt realistic yeah and sam i think handled it really well because he wanted to give her comfort and everything but he wasn't like telling her oh it'll be fine oh it'll be okay or anything like that he was just there for her
1: yeah good job sam yeah
0: he did a good job Uh, eventually the other friends find out too they're able to tell everyone once uh, the body's identified by marcy's sister cheryl tj and luna and jane are all grieving together because this is one of their best friends yeah i think that this aspect of the story like this friend group and especially after marcy is murdered how they react i think it's realistic it makes sense to me They all start to get a little bit more creeped out by the phone calls.
1: Freaking finally.
0: They decide they're going to do a wake for Marcy, which is cool. I thought it was nice. Like a way for them to grieve together before the funeral.
1: Yeah. And they get to meet Cheryl, Marcy's sister.
0: Who is very similar to Marcy in a lot of ways. And she seems to really fit in with the group as well. Marcy's favorite color was red. And so Luna decides for the funeral she'll wear red. Oh, and Jane's sister steps up at this point, too. Like, she she comes over and wants to help take care of Jane, keep an eye on her and all this.
1: Yes, Shelley decides to be more of a sister and cuts cucumbers for Jane's eyes to help with the crying effects. The brother character was kind of pointless
0: because he never comes back. (laughs) And TJ gets a phone call on her cell phone it's the creepy person who's like which one are you the creepy person also says marcy and then this is the point where they're all like oh well maybe it's the creepy phone person is the murderer
1: yeah because she never gives out her cell number and it's registered in her husband galen's name right so how would they get this number finally they're creeped
0: It's at this point where Jane calls Sam and is like, I think we're all in danger because we've all been getting these creepy phone calls.
1: (laughs) Oh, by the way.
0: Sam is like, okay, well, you all need to be very, very careful and don't open the door to anyone because you don't know who it is. And it has to be someone (laughs) that you know, because how else did they?
1: Don't open the door for strangers or people you know. Just don't open the door. Leave it closed. Lock it.
0: The next day, Jane is at work and she's scoping out every guy at work like it could be anyone. Who is it? Leah comes up to her and says that she she's sorry about Marcy and wants to know about the funeral arrangements because she'd like to come. And then she, like, runs off because she's just...
1: Socializing is hard.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's difficult when there's like emotional things going on too.
0: Jane goes out shopping to get caller ID and a cell phone and all these things. Sam had given her like a list, her and her friends a list of all the things that they need to help keep themselves safe. And she doesn't get home till super late at night. And Sam is there and he's mad because, where were you? <laughs> Why haven't you checked in? The demanding man needs to know.
1: <laughs> the demand man.
0: <laughs> the demand man can. <laughs> And she says, since when did I start answering to you? And he says, since about a week ago. And then he kisses her. And then she has like these thoughts like, oh, well, he must have just been scared for me.
1: So it's okay for him to boss me around. He's scared. Yeah.
0: And then they have sex. Well, first he asks her before they have sex. He asks her if she went on the pill. And then she says yes. And then they have sex. And then right after he says, shit. (laughs) And she says Gee, that's romantic. And he says, I knew you were trouble the first time I saw you. And she says, what do you mean trouble? I'm not trouble. I'm a very nice person, except when I have to deal with jerks. And he says, you're the worst kind of trouble. You're marrying trouble. And that just makes her even more upset because she's had three broken engagements. So she's like thinking, (laughs) you're an asshole. And she starts getting up and trying to find all her clothes and everything. He's like, can you just calm down? which is not the best thing to say to anyone who's upset ever. And... (laughs) No, it's really not. And then he grabs her, and he's all horny again. And he, like, starts fucking her, and he's like, Don't cry. I love you. Will you (laughs) marry me? It was
1: so cringy. There were so many things about this book that are just cringy, and this one was definitely one of them.
0: This scene just grossed me out for so many reasons. It's like, she's pissed off. Because... I don't normally want to read these sex scenes aloud, you know, to an audience, but I am going to read this because it's just... Okay. So to her astonishment and rage, she discovered he had another erection. If he thought she would open her legs for him after... All that crap he said. He shifted, expertly pressed with his knee, and her legs opened anyway. Another shift, and he slid smoothly inside her, and she wanted to scream because he felt so good, and she loved him, and he was a jerk. And then he apologizes to her while he's fucking her, and it's just like. I don't know, like, fight fucking isn't my thing, I guess.
1: This isn't even really fight fucking. In some ways, it could be considered a little
0: bit rapey. He grabs her, knees her legs apart, sticks his dick up in her, and then he apologizes, and then it's all fine.
1: Yeah, no, it's gross. It's totally cringy, and I hated it.
0: (laughs) And I'm laughing because
1: I'm uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) But he wants her to marry him, and they decide they're not going to be engaged, they're just going to get married. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: got to get her before she runs. And and he's decided, so it must be so.
0: And then it's super late. They've had sex. It's been wonderful. She wakes up thinking, oh, no, boo-boo. He hasn't been fed. I have to go home and feed him. And she goes to her house and discovers that her house has been trashed, like ransacked. And she calls um, 911 and calls it in sam goes over and he's checking it out and the police come and they're checking it out boo boo is safe thank goodness (laughs) but everything that was feminine at all in her house has been destroyed all her clothes and underwear her sheets were destroyed because they were girly but the things that were not feminine weren't destroyed jane kind of basically moves in with sam she hires a cleaner to clean up her house and they get the neighbor, Mrs. Kulovich, to make sure the house gets cleaned appropriately or whatever. And then we have the funeral after that.
1: I knew it was coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have we have a marriage coming up. We have a funeral. We have all sorts of things.
1: Yeah, and I think it's sad that I wasn't looking forward to any of them.
0: Yeah. So after the funeral, we have a scene with Luna. She gets to her apartment And she sees her sort of boyfriend, Shamal, there waiting for her. He reveals to her that he's been missing her and he wants her back. Luna tells him, I've been busy. This thing with the list happened and then Marcy got murdered and it was just terrible. And they have a conversation where Luna tells him, if you want to be with me, I'll give you another chance. But you have to be faithful to me. I don't want you to be with anyone else. And he yeah, agrees. I think she even
1: includes no groping other women.
0: Yeah, she's very, very Like, specific. that wouldn't be included anyway. You would hope. <laughs>
1: different rules for different couples, but that seems interesting to note.
0: <laughs> yeah. Luna kind of makes up with Shamal. But then, I don't know, I don't think it's that same day. It felt like it was that same day in this book. But then later, she gets a knock on the door and it's Leah from work. And Leah's like, oh, I just wanted to check up on you after the funeral, but you were in so much of a hurry. And so Luna lets her in, and they start talking a little bit about the funeral. And then she turns around, and Leah gets her. So this is the point where we learn that Leah is the killer.
1: Yeah, I must admit, I was pretty upset with the story. (laughs) (laughs) Why? For a lot of reasons, but in this particular moment, like... You just see this lovely moment with Luna and Shamal, and you know when she's dead, she's like, Well, that went nowhere. That was great. Super satisfying.
0: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was pissed that Luna got killed, too.
1: <laughs> I was like, I really like Luna. Yeah. Cute story. <laughs> and I know I made this point before, but Marcy seemed very individual, like her own person. Luna seemed very much like her own person. Jane does too TJ is kind of useless to me she kind of just seemed like Janie of the future or something like that or Jane of the future oh maybe and I'm like if somebody had to be killed couldn't it have been her she was kind of extra
0: so then there were
1: two <laughs> which really just one and like a little bit of extra <laughs> <laughs> you're so mean really I mean there's there's TJ there's Was it Shelly? They kind of seem very similar. Like, I just... (laughs) I don't know. Like, why do the outliers have to die?
0: Okay, so Sam calls... Sam calls Jane and lets her know that Luna got killed. TJ is there and Shelly is there. And so Jane tells everyone... Oh, Galen is there too. Galen is starting to realize up until this point, TJ's husband Galen has been like, you're just making much of this. This isn't related... To the list at <laughs> I love all
1: he's like you're making too much of this i'm like they haven't made anything of this
0: and they should have <laughs> but at this point galen's like okay maybe all the people who wrote the list are being targeted hmm <laughs> jane and tj take a day off from work and they just hang out at shelly's house and let shelly take care of them basically <laughs> sam gets results back Apparently at, I don't know if it was at Marcy's or Luna's, but they found a shoe print and they get results back from the shoe print finally. And they learn it was a a woman's shoe, not a a man's shoe. And so he's like, oh, no, it could be a woman. Which hadn't occurred to us until this very point. And then the next day, uh, Jane still doesn't feel like going into work, but TJ goes into work and she works in HR with Leah At one point Leah asked TJ if she can help her get some boxes and TJ says okay and they go down into the storage room and then Leah gets her.
1: But not very effectively.
0: It's left hanging at this point in the story whether TJ survives or not which I think means that she survived. (laughs) Typically in a story like this you know if they don't survive you know it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But you know Leah's in a rush. (laughs) She's not very thorough.
0: Sam's trying to let Jane know you can't just suspect men. You have to suspect women, too. It could be that weird woman you work with in HR. (laughs) And Jane isn't answering her phone. But she is at Shelly's house. They're hanging out by the pool. And all of a sudden, there's a visitor at the patio gate, you know, at the fence to the pool. And it's Leah! Leah! Dun, dun, dun. Who seems upset and Jane comes over to her and says, What's wrong? Is it TJ? And Leah says, Yes, it's TJ. Open the gate. And Jane says, What happened? Is she all right? And Leah's just like, Open the gate. Open the <laughs> goddamn no. gate. And at this point, Jane gets the epiphany and she says, You murdering bitch. Leah grabs her arm and tries to hit Jane over the head, like through the gate. Jane falls. She says, Shelly, call the police shelly does but then she comes out of the house with a hockey stick um i think at this point leah has broken the gate and gotten through
1: somehow murder
0: rage murderer rage yeah with her insane strength it says (laughs) oh oh no oh oh okay here we go leah on a surge of insane strength began beating the gate with the tire tool okay that's how she got in tire tool a tire iron maybe yeah. it's called a tire tool in this book. oh uh, i
1: don't i don't doubt you i am just questioning <laughs> i
0: remember thinking it was so weird <laughs> but then call it that like the author couldn't you know do a little bit of research and figure out what the tool was called <laughs> uh, that tire thingy uh, i mean we know the author did some research because at the beginning of the book she has a thank you to uh Like a police officer or something. Anyway, Shelly is trying to beat Leah with a hockey stick. Leah is trying to beat both of them with a tire tool.
1: Tire thingy. (laughs) That's what I would say.
0: They all fall into the pool and they have this pool fight where they're choking and sputtering and Leah's trying to beat them with the tire tool, but the pool water (laughs) is... That shouldn't be so funny reducing the way she can swing with the resistance of the water. (laughs) Shelly's like pushing Leah down to the bottom and Jane's trying to help her and none of them can breathe. And then it says Leah's clawing hands fastened on her blouse and locked tight. Leah's struggles grew weaker. Her bulging eyes glared at them through the crystal clear water then slowly glazed over. So I kind of feel like at this point they drowned her, I think. Yeah. That's kind of what it seems like. Then they get pulled out of the pool by police officers who have arrived. Sam is there. Sam is upset because he didn't save her. And then we find out TJ was okay. Well, it's relative. TJ was alive.
1: I think she ends up making a full recovery or something.
0: And then after this, TJ's getting physical therapy. Sam goes and gets, like, some background information on Leah. And we learn that Corin... The kid from the beginning of the book was actually born a girl, and the mother wanted a son, and so raised her as a son, expected perfection and everything. Once Corinne began uh, her period, then her mom started sexually abusing her, and at the age of 15, she kills her mom and gets put into a mental facility. At some point, gets put on medication, which helps, and she goes through therapy, and doesn't really embrace her femininity but
1: no she develops the leah persona or i don't know if that's kind the right of, word. yeah but yeah it never feels right for them
0: yeah it's just it's it's like when she's not on the medication the corn part of her personality is the prevalent one and that's the perfect little man from the beginning of the book so that's why she was so triggered by the list And then um, Jane and Sam go to meet Jane's parents at the airport and are like, okay, well, we're going to tell them now that they're back that, yay, we're getting married. And also, yay, I didn't get murdered. (laughs) The end. (laughs)
1: Basically. (laughs) While the cat's away,
0: Uh... or the cat's owner as a way. It's tough in this story because this is this is a romance slash thriller story, but all of the main plot points are thriller plot points, really. I mean, there is like that romance story arc, you know, where they meet each other and it's kind of like a haters to lovers sort of, briefly, and they get together and But it's kind of superseded by the thriller aspects of the story, I feel.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it doesn't help that none of the characters seemed all that well developed.
0: No, they really didn't. I mean, even like sometimes we talk about the characters' internal struggles or whatever, but Sam seemed fine. Yep. Like he's a divorced cop. He's fine. Jane, I mean, we get a little background on her. She has the three prior engagements, so she's a little gun shy about marriage but we don't really get a whole lot about her either.
1: No, I mean, I think her greatest struggle, apart from her struggles with Sam that end up fine, I guess, is her struggle with swearing. So I guess that could be seen as her struggling with some sort of feminine ideal.
0: Yeah, it's hard to know with Jane because she seems very much, I am who I am and this is how I am. And the only thing that she doesn't like about herself is the swearing, but we don't really know why she doesn't like the swearing either. Nope. Like we just know that she doesn't want to swear anymore and is trying to stop.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even, it's just tricky because those characters weren't, like we've stated, handled or developed very well. So you can imagine how not well-developed Corin Leah's character is, you know? It's like, here's a character who was abused, has gender identity issues, along with, I'm sure, a whole host of other issues. Right. But, you know, we barely get to see this character at all. And the majority of the time we spend with this character, they're murdering people. (laughs) So it's sort of like, well... Well, And then the
0: other thing, too, about this story with the killer is that it perpetrates the stereotype that if you're mentally ill, then you're a killer. Yeah. Or if you're questioning your gender... Then you're dangerous. It's just... What? What? Yeah, it doesn't I don't like the the conclusion there and I kind of wonder like if this story had been written last year versus 20 years ago would mental illness have been portrayed differently in the story would the killer have had that for a reason for being a killer
1: The the mental illness is definitely the I I assume, the reason for the killing. But that is not the same thing as them questioning their gender. Like that is a separate, in my head, that is a separate thing. But it's all lumped together in this character.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: I mean, that's the thing is we never learn much from Corin, Leah's perspective. So we don't know what they would choose. We know they went to a mental institution and that is where Leah comes from. But is that something that that Corrin wants or Leah wants? We don't know. Like, it's,
0: who knows. But that's another thing that made me feel kind of uncomfortable about Corinne slash Leah's identity. Is that they're raised, see, I thought that they were raised as a boy, even though they were a girl. Which is what, in part, messed them up. Which made sense in a way. Well, it was like they were raised as the opposite of what they were physically identified as
1: from the story it's like corin gets told you are this way and then biology says um okay well there are some things you need to take into consideration and the mom doesn't handle it super well because the mom's got issues no of her own yes the mom has lots of issues yeah, which we don't know anything about in any kind of depth another wonderful romance yeah. mom And then, so then murder, murder, murder. And then Corin goes off to a mental institution where now there's Leah in the mix. And it's like, at no point, I don't think, are they asked, do you have a preference living up to either one ideal or the other? But clearly they're both warring within them.
0: That's a good point, because at the beginning of of their story, they're like, no, no, you're actually a boy. And then once they get into the mental facility, they're told, no, no, you're actually a girl. And at no point, like you said, do they decide for themselves.
1: Yeah, it just, I mean, it doesn't seem to happen in the story. Yeah,
0: it's tricky too to kind of expect this to be handled. Sensitively. Sensitively, considering, you know, the time period in which it was written. I would expect it to be handled a lot differently yes. nowadays. It kind of reminds me of, like, movies that came out around the same time period where, you know, cross-dressing is a big joke.
1: Yeah. Or even a man having, like, feminine behaviors or attributes or whatever is seen as less than or a joke or whatever.
0: Or gross or creepy, even. So that's definitely a sign of the times, I think, as far as how that was treated in the story.
1: I mean, we are definitely talking about Corin Leah's storyline but then there's little things i shouldn't say little as in minuscule but little as in short in duration scenes where janie's at the store she meets up with sam this kid comes out of nowhere this kid with the name of damon which made me think the omen and the kid like pokes her in the ribs with the plastic gun or something like that and she janie says to sam kill him or shoot him or something like that i'm like oh that is so inappropriate i can't even i can't even unpack the inappropriateness of that
0: and that's treated like it's funny in the story (laughs) i was not laughing i
1: was legitimately like chilled horrified
0: i too was like oh that poor kid that kid will need therapy now
1: you know there's there's just things (laughs) like that in the story where you're just like i don't i just can't (laughs)
0: There were a lot of things in the story, I think, that, you know, didn't necessarily age very well. Yeah,
1: they're just the cringy. You know, there's lots of lots of cringe, like that sex scene and then the sex scene where he's like trying to fuck her while she's on the phone with her
0: sister. Cringe and uncomfortableness. I think. And then there's something to say about the writing style too because again while it had like those romance story characteristics the story was very much like action like everything was about this external conflict with the killer you know hunting them down or whatever and them trying to figure out who it is. Well
1: action but slow action.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: Because it, I mean, action Im- implies, like, a quick pace. Like I said, like, chapter 13, I'm like, is this story going to pick up at any point? Like, is there going to be tension
0: of any kind? <laughs> I mean,
1: there's some sexual tension, but it gets a little cringy and creepy at times, which, I mean. But, yeah, it it didn't commit. Yeah, I
0: mean, action, like, less like action movie and more like verbs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> There was a lot of verbs moving the story along. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to
1: express it other than that, but... I think that's the perfect way to express it.
0: <laughs> but when I was writing out my notes for our plot outline, it's like, well, first first Marcy gets murdered, and then they have the funeral, and then Luna gets murdered, and then... Yeah, which doesn't happen
1: until, like, halfway through the book. Yeah.
0: And then the stuff that happens with the couple... Almost seems like, well, duh, of course they're together because they like each other.
1: Yay! Yeah, I swear this book is a lot like corn, Leah, in that it has identity issues, potentially. It doesn't know what it wants to be.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it does. I think, well, I think we go into it expecting it to have a bit more of a romance bent.
1: Are we supposed to be scared because of murder? Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to be falling in love? we don't
0: know (laughs) well that's the other thing they fall in love like super duper quickly and easily
1: yeah oh look you're a gentry i'm attracted to and you look nice
0: Maybe. Maybe you could clean up a little bit better. <laughs> Wanna get married? Like, <laughs> just... And we do get some of Sam's point of view, but it's only to push the story along as far as the murder part of the story goes. We don't get a whole lot of his point of view as to like what he thinks about the relationship. No,
1: which would be helpful in a romance. It would be. <laughs> you know, if it's not a romance, then it's fine. I mean
0: we get some from Jane for all of it. And then the other thing that differs from your typical romance is that we have multiple views. Viewpoints—it's not just one or both of the people in the couple, but it's like lots of different characters. Each of Jane's friends gets a scene. The murderer gets several scenes. Some other people get scenes.
1: I mean, if you're gonna switch point of views that much, then you really—they have to provide insight. Despite there being like a lot of point of views, there was hardly no additional insight.
0: No, it was more like the author was saying, "Okay, well, we need to know what's happening over here. Who is over?" Over yep. there let's be in their head
1: we actually don't know and sometimes keeping the reader not in the know can help with the whole tension thing
0: all right so do you have anything to say about the audiobook
1: i feel like laura hicks portrayed jane really well and she delivered a very like voice driven personality performance for for janie's friends they were all distinct i think especially with the phone calls and stuff when corin was calling like the which one are you like really creepy it was really well done i think hicks did a really good job when leah was portrayed like when you knew it was leah very clear feminine voice and then basically with corin because we don't really spend too much time like with just corin she delivered a pretty gender neutral performance which i think once you reach the end makes more sense but i think it was well done that's good. So how well do you think that this story aged? (laughs) And do you think perhaps some of that aging has to do with with Sam's misinterpretation of shit with being consent?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, I think that if I had read this story in the year 2000, it wouldn't have bothered me at all. (laughs) Or bothered me a lot less. Like a lot of the things in the story, I think I wouldn't have even like our our long, uh, you know, conversation about the butt grabby at oh, the yes. beginning, the ass grab. I mean, I don't think that would have even been a thing for me twenty years ago. I mean, it would have been like, ew, gross, but. I wouldn't have felt the need to go on and on and on about it.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. It probably wouldn't have been quite the talking point.
0: There were some other fun little details, too, like the cell phone thing. Uh, when Jane buys a cell phone, she didn't have one before, and she's deciding whether she wants a flip phone or not. You know, stuff like that. Like the ubiquitousness of smartphones wasn't a thing. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they had answering machines.
1: Oh, answering uh, machines. The caller
0: ID thing. I mean, I take color ID as like a given nowadays. It is. Yeah. Didn't used to be. Some of the treatment of feminism, too, I mm-hmm. feel, maybe didn't age very well. The sex scenes, I don't think aged very no. well. <laughs> the thing with, with the killer's identity, uh, gender identity, I think, would have been treated a lot differently now than it w- than it yeah, was. I agree. So there's a lot of things about the story that that, again, like, If I had read it 20 years ago, it probably wouldn't have pinged on my radar so much. But now it's very much something I look for or think about. What about you?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think if I had read this story that many years ago, culturally, it wouldn't have had to been that long ago. I don't think aspects of it would have hit me quite as hard. You know, like I wouldn't have questioned so much of it as I have now, but I don't think that's wrong it's just different it's like anything you learn more about something and you're like oh it gives you a different appreciation for how a writer may handle a subject regardless of what that subject is or a joke or a scene
0: yeah i think that that it's also important to note that creators grow and develop over time yeah. too how many people have been canceled for making a inappropriate tweet 10 years ago you yeah. know <laughs> they're not all still the same person they were 10 years ago you know
1: oh let's hope we all grow
0: (laughs) i mean i suspect that if the author wrote this book like rewrote this story they would probably change a lot yeah that's important to keep in mind too i think that while these books we can look at them you know oh this is a product of its time i think it's important to look at it in terms of the time period in which it was written in addition to the current time period.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's good to compare. Definitely. Because that gives uh, you a better appreciation.
0: Totally. All right. So are you happy for their happy?
1: No, not at all. No? No. (laughs) I'm, like, I know with some romance stories, like, it's, you can put them in the, like, happy for now category. Yeah. I I guess maybe they could possibly be shelved in that section. (laughs) It's like it—it it wasn't really a, a romance, so it didn't necessarily hit the the emotional things that it's at least aspiring to hit. So it didn't even do that, and any problem wasn't a problem, like at all, like not even addressed.
0: I'm nodding my head through all of this.
1: <laughs> like their moments in the beginning when they're kind of feisty with one another—that was more entertaining. Because once their relationship becomes more sexual, it just. In some ways, it just gets creepier. I really wasn't into them as a couple. What about you?
0: I think they had a bit of that insta-love kind of trope. They're both sexually attracted to each other. They have that chemistry, that witty repartee sort of thing, which is very fun and in parts of the story were very was very funny. I think they had really good chemistry together as a couple, and I think that they have the potential to be happy together, but we don't really see a whole lot of them... As a couple, to really make that determination as to whether they would actually be happy for the long term, because they go from flirting in front of their houses to having hot sex to getting married in a week.
1: Yeah. I definitely think they're in lust, maybe not love, but they're definitely in lust.
0: I'm not necessarily happy for their happy, I'm hopeful for their happy, I guess. Aw,
1: that's nice of you. <laughs>
0: always want people to be happy together
1: come on they're, they're not real i don't feel like i need to hope for them
0: they had good chemistry i, thought, they did I sometimes. thought it was good chemistry and i could picture it being like in a rom-com type movie you know with the banter and all that
1: yeah the banter was fun and he was emotionally supportive when a friend died
0: he was he i mean he had some weird things that he did like the rapey (sighs) sort of sex scene yeah but overall he was fine like there was not much wrong with him i mean he was grumpy because he was tired
1: yeah i get that (laughs) i get the tired grumpy then when
0: they started talking to each other they started having more consideration for each other
1: i tried to give him a lot of leeway because of the whole grumpy tired thing because that is relatable yeah but I don't care how tired and grumpy you are. No rapey.
0: Yeah, don't do the rapey. Rapey is bad. Consent is good. Yes, we like consent. So are you ready to rate them? Mm-hmm. Yes, let's. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what would you rate Jane from awesome to awful?
1: I was really optimistic with her in the beginning. I like that she was trying to cut back her swearing. She was feisty. She seemed like she... Yeah, get shit done like her career was going well like she's a functional adult it was wonderful but then as the story progressed it just got awkward and i felt disappointed
0: was it the sexual stuff or the murder stuff or what the murder stuff like
1: like the which one are you and she's not thinking like oh this is creepy i'm like come the fuck on (laughs) (laughs) you are officially you went from functional adult woman with her own home and getting her shit done to oh my god i think you might be too stupid to actually live fuck (laughs) i was super disappointed that is not the kind of trajectory i like in my stories any of them any kind of story (laughs) what about you
0: (laughs) i rated her awesome i i really liked how she was portrayed in the beginning and i didn't really see it shifting as much as as it sounds like you did, I think that I think that we give her a lot of shit for not connecting the dots. But I think if maybe you're in the moment, you know, in the moment, would you? I don't know. So I kind of give her a little bit of a pass on it, even though I think it's a little unrealistic to not report it to the cops, at least.
1: Not to think it's weird. That's the part that, that I felt unrealistic. Like, I could see not calling the cops on it. Honestly, that's not the... It's the... It doesn't sort of trigger her her lizard brain or her like her survival brain i mean she's a single woman (laughs) in what her 30s or 30 or something like that that she's not yeah she's 30 come on please try to live
0: yeah it, it makes me wonder though because they brush off like the sexual uh harassment and stuff at the beginning of the book so maybe she just takes that all in stride like maybe she puts it in that same category maybe
1: yeah it could make sense that way I still don't like it.
0: In in Jane's world, you get your butt grabbed at work and people post sexual signs on the wall that are funny and you get creepy prank callers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't make you sense.
1: Know? I'm just
0: saying I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair. But I yeah, I thought she was awesome. I enjoyed her personality a lot. I like that she was very she was feisty.
1: Yay, feisty. So what about the hero for you?
0: How do you rate Sam? Oh
1: Damn it, you asked me
0: first. <laughs> um Go me! So for Sam, he's not awful, but he's also not awesome. And I don't really think he's awkward. He's just kind of meh. There are things about him that I really like. The support for Jane... The way that we kind of find out more about his character, what little there is. You know, we start out thinking he's a drunk and it turns out he's just a tired cop. And then you find out he's actually a pretty decent cop. So would you say that he's more of a (laughs) meh-hole? He's just kind of meh to me. Like, I like, I thought he was sexy, but not deep. No,
1: definitely a lack of depth there. (laughs) What about you? (laughs) I wrote down awful asshole. Oh wow. <laughs> I did not
0: like him. Was it the rapey scene?
1: It's a lot of different things. He just gets progressively
0: Where I am just
1: like, please, please, can you go away now? I'll be I'll be actually happier if you're
0: not around. <laughs> <laughs> em is like, Can this just be a straight murder book, please?
1: <laughs> please. <laughs> I probably would have been happier. <laughs> Honestly, (laughs) considering the lack of attention to the romance at all.
0: (laughs) What about the villain?
1: Well, uh, I don't know. When it came to Cornelia, I sort of just put them in the awkward category. Just not handled well. And what was there was unsatisfying for multiple reasons. You know, partly portrayal and large part just none of the characters were given that much structure. Corin Lee is simply an example of that. And then I put Sam under antagonist, because <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about you? <laughs> um. Okay, so for me, Corin slash Leah, I think, again, 20 years ago, I would have thought they were a great antagonist, but now I feel like it could have been handled better. So... I agree with your rating of awkward there. I don't think they were awful. I think it was just... I wanted more and better.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of of the opinion, like, any character can be a murderer. And I will be okay with it. You just gotta, you know, flush them out. And make their reasons make sense.
0: Yeah, and being so triggered by the list. Being Mr. Perfect. Because that's what their mom wanted them to be. I just... And especially that word, perfect. But they lasted how many years in that job with nothing else triggering them? Yeah, I,
1: I feel like it was just insufficiently done.
0: And then for other antagonists, I put the media, I feel, because of the oh, right the repetitive calling and pestering for interviews and things like that.
1: They could have been made into a great antagonist.
0: I think the author did a good job of making it, like, really pervasive, but she didn't make it, she didn't do as good of a job of making it invasive. Threatening. Yeah, threatening. Yeah. Um, the other, for antagonist, I put the sexist guys at work. <laughs> oh, right. I couldn't get over the butt grabby.
1: Yes, lest we'd forget them. I oh, gotta love those ass grabs. Yeah,
0: I just, no, I don't know, like, you, can we just not? Apparently not. we can only can we can't not (laughs) how would you rate the book from one to five
1: i gave it a 2.5 i'm not surprised (laughs) i didn't think you would be it was it was honestly going closer to two
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you have anything to say about your rating
1: i think i've said quite a bit (laughs) I feel like it makes sense like I was clearly not entertained took too long to get to interesting parts the interesting parts weren't all that interesting what about you
0: I also rated it a 2.5 wow
1: I think that's the first time <laughs> we've actually done the same rating
0: I think so I kind oh, of my. I think you kind of are like 2.5 or lower I was kind of more like 2.5 or a little higher so I think I liked it a little bit better than you, but I also think I was trying to apologize for it being written 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I think if it had been published last year, it would be rated lower. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I didn't find it as slow paced as you. I mean, you're right that the it takes a while to get to the murders and all that.
1: It wouldn't have even have to have been that if there was enough sexual tension, that could have been the tension. But there wasn't. Like there was, there was none.
0: Right. But I was, I was satisfied with the, with the fun friend group and the witty banter and all that. I was fine with it. It was okay. So <laughs> that didn't bother me so much. I felt it was still pr- a pretty quick read. I did read it in one sitting. I didn't dislike it, but I didn't really like it either.
1: Fair enough. But Erica, did you feel romanced?
0: Oh no, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's telling.
0: (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't feel romanced. And I don't know if it was part of like it being like a thriller romance. I don't know if it was because it was a cross genre sort of book or if it was just... I think... I think it's mostly because we just didn't get enough couple time. We got like a lot of sex. Yeah, I agree. But we didn't get very much like couple time. And I really need that in a book to have that feeling like the romance feeling. And they had potential. They had really good chemistry together.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what generates it usually. It's not so much the sex scenes, whether or not they're there. It's how the characters are outside of that. Right. And so you need that interaction.
0: So I, I don't think I'll be surprised, but did you feel romanced, M?
1: I <laughs> I felt cringy, <laughs> Crinkly and cringy. Yeah, no romance. No one should be surprised at this point. I would be surprised if they're surprised. You're a hard sell.
0: <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> what else are you reading?
1: I am rereading an ice cold grave by charlene harris i'm still making my way through those harper Connolly books nice how's it going boys are missing in Dorothy and harper Connolly is there to find bodies with her lightning generated gift of course there's going to be a media storm town secrets to uncover you know danger will robinson danger
0: what about you what are you reading I'm in the middle of reading the latest Stephen King. It's called Later. It's a crime slash ghosty type story. Uh, The main character is named Jamie, and he's one of those kids who sees dead people. Ooh. Yay. Yeah. It's really good so far. I'm about halfway through. Wonderful.
1: Yeah, I like King. He he does scare me sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have read almost everything he's written in the past i don't know since after he took his break i guess like i've read all of the new king and then i've read some of the old king and i i really really like his newer stuff so if you're one of those people like me then you will like this book otherwise if you want another you know carry or something like that it's not going to be that for you sorry
1: artists grow and change right
0: absolutely
1: thank goodness for that
0: So that's it for this time. Check out our website, RomanceMePodcast.com for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads.
1: Join us next time when we discuss Sustained by Emma Chase. Bye. 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 Sorry, I hated Sam so much. I always, I don't know,
0: I'm a lot more forgiving about Romance
1: I think so, I'm just not a forgiving reader.